Hey, this is Connie Jones with the Warrior Arise podcast. My mission is to equip you to think, feel, and act like the powerful warrior that you are. I bring you wisdom learned from my own struggling, striving, and surviving to help you live and lead bravely, freely, and authentically in your unique purpose and destiny. In each episode, you'll hear vulnerable, authentic conversations with fellow warriors who share their stories of living courageously. Let's dive in. Welcome to another episode of the Warrior Arise podcast. I'm your host, Connie Jones. And as always, our mission is to inspire, equip, and empower all of you to think, feel, and act like the powerful warriors that you are so that you can live and lead bravely, freely, and authentically in your purpose and your destiny, in the life that you have been created for. And today we have a, our guest is a a beautiful example of that. Um, And we're going to have another rich, meaningful, very authentic conversation with our guest today, Nick Pulgardi. And um, he definitely has an incredible story of living in and leading with courage, freedom, and authenticity in a passion-fueled and purpose-centered life. And it wasn't always that way. He has struggled like all of us, and uh, but he's been courageous enough to do the work and um, to do his own work and continues to, um, and um, so that he can live in the fullness and the freedom of who he was created to be. And I cannot wait for you guys to hear him share his story today and share the um, the inspiration um, that he has for you to empower you to um, be, to to move to those places in your in your journey um, where you are living in the freedom and fullness of who you are. So, Nick Colgardi, um, Nick and his wife amanda live in noonan georgia with their three daughters sophie 13 izzy 12 and tessa 9 and they are precious Um, he's lived in the area for most of his life he graduated from landmark christian school in 2000 before going to auburn university and following his time at auburn he lived in the charlotte area for a short time before meeting his wife amanda they dated for a few short months and he knew and that was that was all it took when you know you know so before getting engaged um or they were married a year later in um, in 2006. They moved to Noonan soon after, and they're celebrating their 16th anniversary in June. So as far as Nick's career, he spent his most of his professional career in sales. Much of that time was on the road and covering a three-state territory. He's definitely a high achiever, overachiever, and you'll hear that. Um, he realized that there was much more to providing for his family than bringing home a paycheck and being gone three nights, three to four nights a week. Um, and that just wasn't cutting it. So in 2015, he left his traveling sales position for good, and he's enjoyed playing a larger role in his family's day-to-day activities ever since. One of the things he treasures most is being able to see his wife and three girls on a daily basis and be involved in their life, and that is a decision he has never regretted. Welcome, Nick, to the Warrior Rise podcast. Thanks. I appreciate <laughs> it very much. I'm excited and and. Uh, you talked a little bit about bravery and doing the work. Uh, that was nothing compared to uh, the bravery it's taken to sit here for this. I've just been preparing and thinking about uh, this opportunity, and I've been excited and um, in total freak-out mode for this uh, reason, among other reasons. Life in general has the tendency of finding ways. And I won't say life. I'll say it's the enemy. We're at war, right? But just every day has its own set of challenges every week. But um, 
I don't want to be missed at all that this is not something that I take lightly or is easy, but it's something that I'm excited about and and passionate about. Well, they will hear that in you. You just, um, when everybody that meets you just adores you and you, you're one of those people that even when you don't mean to be, you're inspiring to people and the things that come out because of your heart, um, and because of the way you live your life, you, um, you just live it on another level and, um, the depth of your, your soul and your spirit, um, are just, are so empowering and inspiring um, and encouraging to people. And so I want our audience to hear that. They just, they've, they've got to hear that. So you guys, I, you're in for a treat today as always. Um, so Nick, let's just dive in. Let's, um, uh, you know, um, let's talk about some of those life experiences that have shaped who you are. What have been, like, what would you say are some of the struggles that have shaped you made you who you are um that that have formed how you live your life today if i had to sum it up i would say a total misunderstanding of what value and worth are oh wow um just just from the word go uh the first i don't know say all the way through high school into into college into work See how old am I? Da, 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 da. Yeah, that old. Um, <laughs> all the way up until the day, right? So I I was pretty successful in the things that I did, whether it was at school and athletics. Um, um, I could I could pretty much do what I wanted to when I wanted to. Um, on the field or on the track in particular, I, uh, I broke my back in high school playing football. And it was probably, not probably, I'm, I'm, I'm built like a linebacker, I guess. Um, and there's no pleasure in saying that and dropped 20 pounds recently, which is good. But, um, but yeah, I was fast. I was strong and, and put me on a team or on a track and, um, you were fortunate to have me there. And thankfully at that time, even I, I recognized that as a gift from God. And I, I did not, I can't think of a time in life when I, I, I knew I was arrogant. I know there have been times, but at the same time, I'm not putting my humble button on either. <laughs> I, I don't remember. I think people who are arrogant know they are um, and people who aren't. Well, it sounds like it was just a, I mean, you're just, you just are, you're acknowledging the gifts that you had and you're acknowledging your reality. And your reality was that you were great at what you did. You were great at everything you touched. And so tell us, talk, like, talk us through what, yeah. Yeah. So after, uh, after graduating from high school, I had a couple opportunities to take track scholarships, which I did not take um, for whatever reason. But what I did have was a a full Air Force ROTC scholarship, but I ended up taking that. went to Auburn on an Air Force scholarship and was on that scholarship for a year at that time. I don't know how it's set up now, but um, you have that first year. And if after the first year you've decided that it's it's not the path you want to take, you can kind of cut it loose um, and not owe anything. And um, having just lived a life of such responsibility up to that point, 
and what I felt like performance and doing what I everyone wanted me to do. It was almost a bit of a rebellion and I just cut that that tie, even though it made all the sense in the world to have college fully paid for and to um, complete college. With, I mean, it's just but it could almost be viewed as rebellion as I look back at it. Um, you know, at the same time, my, my parents had just split up and things were pretty rough at home. And I think for me, that was also as a performer, a great opportunity for me to blow off this rebellious part of me as if it didn't exist and look at it more as, as uh, a service, uh, performing again for my family to whatever extent I needed to and being them for, you know, being there for them in whatever way I needed to be. So you definitely learned how to play that role. You might not have ever, us high achievers, we we just intuitively, whether we hear that, whether that was given to us as a direct command or whether it was asked of us, we just kind of intuitively figure out that that's the role we're supposed to play. And um, and so it sounds like you got really good at that. Yeah, I got I got good at it. And, and the problem is that's where all of my worth was. So as long as there was a field to play on or a track to be on or a position at a company to fill and numbers to grow, um, I was primed for that opportunity. And again, um, just being a high achiever and, and just being gifted in different ways, I found ways to accomplish what it was that I wanted to. Um, but that's, that's going back to what we talked about opening up. You talk about a complete misconception or understanding of value and worth are, um, I had, uh, a, a perfect worldly understanding of what value and worth were and they were worthless. And I knew it then. Wow. Wow. So how, how did you know, did you feel something inside that was empty? Did you like, what, what, or at what point did you start to discover that and how, and what were the indication or what was the indication for that? I think, I think it was just this exhaustion, right? So out of college, get married. Um, you've done these things, you're growing up. Uh, you have all these things to look forward to and then you get married and you start having kids and, um, yeah, it's not everybody's story, but it was mine. So I was going down, you know, storybook lane as it was supposed to happen. And I had a a, a good career, I guess, um, and was doing well and was just so exhausted with no fulfillment, no sense of worth, um, avoiding all conflict um, for mostly because if any conflict entered my life, it could introduce, um, it could introduce a wound. And, and I don't think I knew just the sheer fact that I had no real conception of value of worth. I don't think I realized what a wound that in itself was. Yeah. And so when you say that, that's a really powerful statement that you avoided conflict. That's actually 
gosh, that's amazing. So you avoided you write, you write that down, right? You wrote yeah, that down. Right? We take note of that. You, you get avoided, all of my 12 whiteboards in here because yeah. I got to write everything down all the time. That's all good. You, uh, so you, you avoided conflict to not expose a wound. And I guess you mean an emotional wound that was already there. So when, when you had conflicts with someone, um, what, how did it expose, how did it expose your heart wounds or emotional wounds? Right off the bat to have a conflict meant that I mishandled something. Oh, wow. Possibly. I, I thought so. Anyway. Right. Well, that's what um, wounds, because... that's what wounds do. They filter, we filter everything through our wounds and we, we believe lies about ourselves. Yeah. 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 Um, so, um, to avoid that conflict, you know, was perhaps performance-based. Um, but again, at the very least, it wouldn't it wouldn't expose me to any opportunity to fail. It wouldn't expose um, any of my shortcomings, whether I was wrong or whether I was, uh, you know, wrong about something or you know had offended somebody or had had done something other than walk this perfect straight line that I perceived others to see me on it, or, or I perceived them perceiving me on it, you know, essentially being the guy, that guy. Yeah. Did you know that? Or did you, you just kind of yeah. sub- subconsciously did that to, you knew that you were avoiding conflict and why at the time? Um, I don't think I knew why at the time. Yeah. You just hated it. <laughs> yeah, I, I hated it. I knew that I could look stupid as a result of it. If it, if I didn't have a quick enough response, or you know, you know, high schooler or college age or anybody, you know, you've got a little bit of self-respect and self-esteem, and you don't want to look stupid. And any conflict it can expose you to look dumb, or again expose somewhere that you were wrong along the way in your in your efforts yeah wow which was missing the mark and had been my whole life and it was outside of my control i think that might have been what it came down to it was outside of my control if conflict was introduced um it became something i couldn't control and as a performer part of my control was being everything to everyone, making things right for everyone. And conflict was the exact opposite of that, right? So it's that whole, as a performer, the and I talk about this a lot because that was my story too. As a performer, we learn how to people please and approval seek. And so we know exactly what to do to people please and to approval seek. And that just becomes our way of life. And we don't ever even question that. It's what we do and what we get really good at. And that's all. There's part not of the, bad motive in it. It's all part of the performance, right? Yeah. There's no. no there's mo- never there's bad no, motive. There's it's no service. Uh-uh, yeah. There's no um, malicious intent or anything there. It's uh, it's actually to keep everybody else happy, but at a cost to our own heart and our own physical health and our own happiness and our own relationships and our own everything. Um, because what's the fallout of that? What? Ha- where did that take you? that performance life that, you know, the play in the role, wh- where did that end up for you? Oh boy. Yeah. 
Uh, not a great place. Um, so I, I, I'd hung up the sales shoes, um, for good. It wasn't something I was going to go back to being on the road. Um, um, but, but all of a sudden there were no metrics. There was no way to measure how I was doing, what my value was, what my worth was. Um, I can't think of one way that I could measure my value as I sit here and think about it. So leading up to that, before I quit, the one way at that point would have been my job and income and numbers. That's it. Um, so, and family on the side, right? Yeah. Yes. Oh, and you, and you did that right too. Yes, absolutely. You created a beautiful family and you had a good marriage and you, it all looked great, right? Yeah. It looked perfect. So all of a sudden I've got no metrics. I've got no way to, well, to measure. Walk, walk me back for just a second, because talk, t- tell us why you decided to quit. What prompted that? I, I missed my family and they were growing up without me. Um, I'm a tender hearted person and I've got three little girls and they were just growing up and I was gone. I realized there was a lot more to providing for my, my family than creating income. Yeah. Um, wow. How do you, how do you provide security when you're not home? How do you provide life lessons and how do you provide the love of a man that they're going to go find somewhere if you're not home. Oh gosh, that's, that is that gives me chills. Wow. Well, it freaked me out. It gave me chills at the time. Like ah, I just I got to a point where I couldn't stay in the thought of it anymore. Um, what a beautiful, beautiful thing to do for your family, and you did it. And you yeah, best decision the- ever. You had the courage to do it, but then yeah, but then here's this whole other issue that all of a sudden the metrics are gone and every bit of your value and your worth is gone with it. So what happened then? So I'm home. I'm 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 being Mr. Mom for a while. That was sort of the plan to do that and then see what what we could find. My wife uh, work, works for Chick Fil A, and um, I, you know, she had a uh, has a good career there and, um, but nothing, nothing came right away. Even as I became ready for something, um, and very quickly I became ready because very quickly I felt worthless. Um, there was nothing to measure my worth by. And, um, I don't, I don't know there's any way to get around the fact that, um, I was lonely during the day and, and felt very much like a failure with, with no um, piece of paper or a computer screen or again, metric to, to show what I was worth. I felt absolutely worthless. And um, I tell you one thing that, that can make a guy feel better real quick if he's into it is alcohol. And I found that to be a very easy solution. Um, it made me lighthearted. It made me fun. It made me not. It made me not care. It was self-medication, pure and simple. And I had to not care 
because caring felt so awful um, and was just so lonely. Um, and not because I was lonely. Again, my my understanding of value and worth was so disjointed and incomplete. Um, I mean, there wasn't even a shadow of of real value or real worth to be found. I mean, there, there was no conception of it. And um, fast forward to Father's Day of 2017, um, I, I was at home just feeling awful. Uh, I ended up driving myself to the hospital and I had uh, pancreatitis, which um, a couple different things that caused that. But one of the one of the key contributors for some people, for a lot of people, is, is alcohol. And um, sure enough, that was that was the case for me. So I was I didn't know it at the time. How can you? I was essentially put in a medically induced coma for several days. Um, but they didn't think I was going to make it past that first. I don't know, a few days. Um, and I was there for about three weeks in the hospital and lost a bunch of weight. I don't recommend anyone doing it that way at all. Um, but yeah, so lost a bunch of weight and um, eventually got out of the hospital. And uh, I was a new man, right? Like I'd had three full weeks to think about things, or not full weeks, I mean three weeks, two weeks to think about things and reflect. And um, I knew what caused pancreatitis. It's the worst thing I've ever experienced in my life. Um, it's horrible, horrible pain. And um, so, you know, I was done drinking at that point. That was a tough lesson to learn. A um, couple weeks after I got out of the hospital, um, not paying attention, not being proactive, and still having no understanding whatsoever of value or worth. Um, here I found myself again, just uh, worthless and lonely and um, living a life that was pointless. And I thought, you know, surely one drink does not cause pancreatitis. And I was right. I was right. And, and I didn't think two drinks would cause pancreatitis. And I was also right about that. <laughs> I never, I never got it. I never got an accurate count on how many, but it turns out that uh there is a number <laughs> if you drink it and enough drinks uh you will get pancreatitis again and so i did i went back to the hospital again with pancreatitis um and you know it's it's really interesting at the time i didn't i didn't see myself as having a problem with alcohol the problem was with how I drank alcohol. Um, maybe the amount of alcohol, right? I needed to drink it smarter. And as be being a success-minded person, I was going to figure out how I could drink and not okay. get pancreatitis. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I don't know anyone who has ever figured that out. <laughs> uh and I won't, I won't get into the number of times I went to the hospital. It was too many, though. Um, and 
what I finally realized that last time I went to the hospital, which was Christmas Eve of 2018, uh, Christmas Eve, excuse me, the day after Christmas. Um, what I realized was, was, was that I had absolutely no control over alcohol. And for, for the first time I could remember and there have been other times, I'm sure, but for the first time that I was aware of, I was faced with something that I couldn't control. I didn't have any power over, and I had a problem. Um, and, and obviously, I had a problem. But it took that it took a number of times for me to make that simple connection because again it was something now i had a challenge now i had something to figure out because it was it was a very important thing to be able to keep drinking alcohol because i didn't like who i was without it i couldn't be funny without it i couldn't tell a story without it i couldn't mow the lawn without it loved mowing the lawn with a few drinks and and seeing how straight i could keep the lines <laughs> and running into a neighbor and having a few drinks with him and then finishing the lawn and judging how well I did the first half and then how well I did the second half. I mean, there's all sorts of games you come up with. <laughs> uh, I don't know. There were a couple of good pictures floating around that were almost like uh, honor badges. Um, they aren't now. They aren't now. But at the time, I mean, it was just fun and games, right? Oh, sure. Now, now, ironically, I absolutely hate mowing the lawn. Um, but yeah, used to love it. Used to love it, but um, so what did you do? So, yeah, I essentially detoxed in the hospital again that last time and um, spoke with my wife, who was absolutely unbelievable, held our family together throughout this whole thing, and pretty much resigned herself to the fact that her married life was going to be one of loneliness and abandonment and um. I didn't really realize this at the time. You know, I thought I was, I thought I was, um, I thought I was a good drinker. Um, I, I didn't beat people up. I didn't yell at my family. I didn't get into fights. It made me want to hug people. It made me want to tell stories. Like, so it, 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 yeah, I mean, and it, and it enhanced, I mean, it, to extend it kind of enhanced what was in there already. Um, you know, certain characteristics that I liked about myself, except now I'm not, you know, no, uh, you know, any nervousness that there ever was or anything. Like, I mean, it's, like, it's gone. Your inhibitions are gone. So you can be more of the parts of you that you like being. And, um, and it was a good time. Um, at what point did you figure out like your wife, like, when did you come to, when did you awaken? To like, oh my gosh, like this is all, this is, this is what all has happened and this is what's going on and this is a deeper problem and I've got to do, I've got to do something about this and this is how it's affecting my family and my wife. At what yeah, point so did you realize that? Ironically, that that last time I went in, um, 
was when I realized, but, but before on my way in was when I realized that that one very simple thing, I made that simple connection. I can't control alcohol anymore. So I, I realized that I go into the hospital. Um, I don't know how long I was there before uh, my wife came to visit. I'm not saying she was avoiding it. I just, at that point, I got pretty good to just driving myself straight there. We knew the routine. I basically kept the bag packed in case I had to go. <laughs> and um, so anyway, uh, I, I was asleep. I woke up and saw my wife sitting there. The nurse was in the hotel room, hotel room, hospital room. Um, and I looked at Amanda and she's holding three mini bottles of, oh, I think it was Sutter Home. Those were great because they were easy to hide. I had gone to the hospital with those in my bag. She came to visit me. I was napping, right? And um, I looked at her and she was looking at me and I turned over and looked at the nurse and just put my hand out on her hand. And I said, don't leave. I knew I was in for a very serious discussion. And uh, the nurse completely disobeyed my orders and uh <laughs> apparently she was only there to put something in the computer she wasn't there to um keep me from facing the music with my wife so it's something to the fact of oh honey this is your battle and uh i was like okay it is my battle and i looked at my wife i said i've got to get help she agreed. She was never, she was never cruel to me. She was never mean to me. In the hospital, I get daily texts, updates with pictures of the girls and what they were doing. And I mean, she loved me all the way through each one of those. Doesn't mean there weren't consequences, but she loved me through each of those um, trips, visits. Yeah. So I ended up uh, going to oh, ended up going to um, um, I guess the fun word for it is rehab, but recovery, a recovery center to uh, to just get a better grasp on what was going on because there was obviously something that needed that needed attention. Um, and lo and behold, it was just total misunderstanding of what value and worth were. Um, it's cliche, but this whole human being versus human doing thing, like I couldn't do anymore. I couldn't do anymore to perform. And because I couldn't do anymore, I'd run out of things to, to master. I'd run out of ways to make people happy, I thought, um, and to impress people. And so there was no worth. There was no value. And again, what do you do? How do you get away from that? Well, I didn't I didn't hurt inside when I drank. And that's what it started that whole thing. And so, yeah, some time in a recovery center was what I needed to get the ball rolling toward understanding what those two words really meant and where they came from. And where they came from, and they and they did not come from me, as it turns out, which 
is a huge relief. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So bring us to speed up to speed, like to today, from the time that you went to rehab to today. I know a lot's happened. You've done a ton of work, but like, give us a synopsis of what you've done, what you've learned. Um, you know, kind of summarize that for us to move you out of that complete powerlessness and being out of control um to today what's changed and what did you do to what or what ha, what what allowed you to um what have you experienced so i don't i don't know if you remember this but i had I called you, I think to that it was probably 2017, um, at the recommendation of a friend. Um, you're you're an instrumental and successful success coach, a business coach in the area. And he just thought we'd be a good fit because he knew he saw that I was looking for something. So at the time I wanted to connect with you and um uh and just look at ways I could quote unquote be successful. Um and uh, we were going to find that, that together. Success meant value. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> what is, how am I going to provide value for people now? Um, so I'd given you a call and it wasn't in the Lord's plans that we get very far down that road. Um, and uh, I think we had, we had a couple meetings. I took one look at the, the, the paperwork. I don't want to say that, but I mean, there was some, there was some work to be done just to get started. Some questions and things. I was like, uh, <laughs> Nope. Now, what sort of things do you uh, like about yourself? Didn't I? I was like, I'm not going down that road. That is a road too long. Um, and uh, so I, I conveniently found other things to do. For a guy who had nothing to do, boy, you'd think I, I, I would have found time to do that. But I didn't realize how much I was avoiding the deep dive. Um, so. So we didn't get together at that time. Uh, fast forward through the multiple visits to the hospital. And um, when I got out of the recovery center, one of the things they encouraged I, I do was become part of intensive outpatient, which is it was a 12 week, three times a week, three hours on each of those days. You get together with essentially a group and a therapist. And once a month, you've got um, a one on one session with that therapist. But it's just sort of a continuation without just taking you from. 24 seven time in a recovery center to uh life back at home here you go you're fixed um i wish it worked that way but um there was still a lot ahead of me a lot of transition time right uh because now i'm home um i had and it, it turns out this is what it took i had fully committed to never drinking a drop of alcohol again and it took me being ready to do that it no one else could do that for me. Yeah, you had to be done. Even, even that has, has become cliche, but there there is nothing but truth in that statement. You can't be ready for somebody. Um, they have to be ready, and I was. And I had uh, early on at the recovery center had just basically conceded to living a boring life that wasn't fun and that I just felt bad about myself but i wasn't going to drink uh, there's a term for that called dry drunk i think um 
And I mean, I, I get the gist. I could fully explain it, but you know, someone who never touches alcohol again, but doesn't then go on to really heal from the damage that was done is still suffering um, differently. Um, so the 12 weeks was up. Um, I had attended some, some meetings, some AA meetings. And um, what I really wanted to do was I wanted to reconnect with you. And I remember telling you my, my story, a brief version of it and just asking you, so do you, am I still a fit? Like, or do I need to go get fixed more before I can really start making progress? Or do you work with people like me? And uh, you're like, yeah, come on. <laughs> we work on people. I was like, all right, yes. Because we had connected the first time. I was like, this is a good fit. So I was, I was like, all right, back, 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 back on track here. So um, really ready this time. Yeah, really, really ready. Um, and I think there's the, one of the keys for me, and I wish I had made this distinction early on as well is my focus early on with you was growth, 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 growth. And it was poorly placed um, intention. It should have been heal, 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 heal. And um, I won't, I won't say that slowed down any progress. It was just something I had to learn and something I had to figure out. But um it goes back to that word you use work. I mean, there's, there's work in this. And I mean, I'm, I'm here now because, and by now, I mean, just talking to you right now, um, because I have a heart for people. I hurt for people on very deep levels and I see pain. Uh, and, and I can often feel pain. I'm not talking in, in any sort of like hocus pocus sort of way, but I just, I'm drawn to it. Um, and there, there's, there are limitations certainly on what I can do, but um, um, that, that's, that's part of, that's been part of our discussion as well is what, what do I do? How do I uh, make some sort of difference or do I, or, um, well, and at the prerequisite for what do I do is who am I? And that's what you have through the healing and the growth you have discovered who you are and, and whose you are and where your value does come from. And out of that place, you understand now the essence, the true essence that God created you in and what those giftings are. And from that, there's passion and purpose. Correct. Yes. And there's still, so there's, I got to say, it's such a huge relief when I realized that my value and my worth had nothing to do with me. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Yeah. I mean, it's the exact opposite of what. We know that. We, I mean, we've been told that all of our lives. We, sure, we you're special. Everyone's special. Yeah. But, right. But, <laughs> but how it's do true. you. That's the thing. Yeah. It's true. Right. 
but you one person to- walking this earth that is not made in the image of God. And it's because that person is made in the image of God that the enemy that I will just name Satan is attacking the very thing he hates most. The heart of who we are. Yes. He was attacking Image you bearers. by he heart. No. He uh, was robbing you of the things that mattered most to your heart. If he could keep you down, and he did the same thing to me, if he could keep you down and incapacitate you and have you believing lies, then all the things that were most important to you, making a difference in the world, making an impact, helping others be their best selves, um, into being in tune with and, and empathetic about and compassionate about other people's pain, um, encouraging and empowering other people to heal your family, your marriage, all of those things he was robbing you of. And just like totally. he, did, he does all of us. Yeah, and we can't absolutely. see it. We can't see how he robs us blind. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the things that, uh, that I was most ashamed of, I think was, that I had such a tender heart. Um, um, and not that I had ever been taught anything different, that being tender hearted was anyway being less of a man, but I was I was bound and determined to believe that for some reason. Um, and it worked with a couple of different people that um I really admired and who could just, you know, shut off conversations and walk away when they were done and, and you know, just took this approach to life, these total alphas. And I was just ashamed that that I, I was almost ashamed that I couldn't treat people that way. That you could just turn a blind eye to it and just yeah. shut it off. And yeah, that you, and just shut down, that you couldn't shut down your heart. Yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't shut down my heart. And there's a verse in First uh, Peter that says, "Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love." A tender heart and a humble mind. Um, I remember reading that and going, oh my gosh. I read that after you told me. If it wasn't clear before, let's just make it clear now. I've been seeing you for some time. And uh, I read that verse after a session with you. Where you made it known, I, I I had permission to be that guy that I was. I had permission to have a tender heart. Um, and that it didn't make me any less valuable. It didn't make me, you know, in, in a lot of ways, made me more valuable for the right situation, for the right people, for the right um, opportunities. Um. So we're all we're all made differently, but again, we're all we're all in our differences made very specifically. Oh, I love that. Love that. And we all have a special mixture of God's chemistry that no one else has. And so we have his heart in us and we're all expressions of him. And it's amazing. And we make judgments about it when it's meant to be gift it's meant to be our gift to the world yeah oh imagine imagine i mean you could probably you probably did this but the essence of who you are 
despising it so much and just having examples around you that you want to be like because I don't know. I don't know. There seemed, there seemed to be some sort of freedom in that, in not having a tender heart. Um, and maybe that's the case for certain people. I don't know, but there was no freedom in it for me. Um, and the reality was it's the way God has made me. And the reality of that is it's for very specific purposes. Um, it was not a mistake. We're all unique again, but uh, it's with uh, clear intention or maybe not so clear, but it's clear to God uh, his intention for us in how he makes us. And the time he sets us in, in this life, at this time, at this moment, we're not just made a certain way. We are born at a certain time and are made a certain way. And where, where, where those two things collide is where we should be looking for um, our identity in Christ. And from that comes our purpose. That's exactly. Well, so this is, it's amazing. And I just, um, I just love hearing you talk about it, your process and your, I mean, you're just, you're in such a, an, an incredible place. Um, so what have you discovered about, you know, now that you understand that your heart is not your, um, you know, it's not a liability. Cause that's what I thought too. It's so funny. Our stories were, are, are aligned in a lot of ways. Cause I thought my heart was my greatest liability too, because I couldn't shut it off either. You know, I was, it was my weakness and um, it actually ended up being my gift. And now I help other people. I I'm a heart warrior. I war for other people's hearts who the, they can live bravely, freely, and authentically who they are in the life that they were created for. And so what is that? What have you discovered about you? Well, um, let me ask this. I mean, so you haven't gotten a job, so you didn't, you, you, you recognize that you, you know, that that wasn't gonna, that wasn't your answer. And I, and I have been doing some different things. Oh um, yeah. Oh my gosh. Yes, absolutely. But so, but, but you finding that to, magic uh, career that I was looking for, that was not right. something that, yeah. Exactly. So what has God shown you that like, what's he doing in you now? What's he, what's, what has he showed you that is, a, that is, that is yours to do in this world? We've recently transitioned. Yeah. From uh, more the one-on-one settings to more of a, a group setting and um, had the opportunity to get together with just some amazing people. Um, each month, two or three times, um, depending on what the month holds. Um, and it was through through these people and through you that I was just encouraged, uh, verbally encouraged, you need to have a blog or you need to start a podcast because uh, some of these things you're sharing, people need to hear. And it's something you're willing to share. Um, and I think if if this this phrase kept coming to mind, this this idea kept coming to mind, and, and and what I wanted was I wanted to have the courage to scale my authenticity. And so, what did that look like? 
Ooh. What's that? I said that is straight from the Lord. Yeah, I know. I I'm not smart enough to come up with with <laughs> yes, words that are. string together like that. <laughs> Things yes, that can become cliches. Nah, yeah. But uh any yeah, just having the, the courage to scale authenticity. So what did what did that mean for me? So I'm just sort of working that out one-on-one uh with you uh or with a close friend, you know, is a is a level, let's say. Um, and I'd gotten to the point where I could share very freely and openly with one person um, uh, or or in a group now as we get together three times a month. Um, how do you scale it from there? Well, as a as a Christian, I have a church body that I'm a part of, you know, and there are small groups there and there's a church body. The next logical answer should be, you know, in your church. Um, uh, I've finding more and more uh, books about or articles about and scripture about um, bearing one another's burdens and knowing one another. And I think you're reading the same book I'm reading right now, by John Eldridge. Uh, and I think he covered today, actually, it was either today or yesterday, um, how important it was to know one another, to be able to read one another. Um and part of my my mission statement is, uh, I'll just paraphrase it, but um, getting to know people um, to an extent that I can call them my closest friends and just growing that group of close friends, um, growing, growing them into the category, quote unquote, closest. Um, love for that to be a million people. Right. A million in, in quotes, too. But I mean, but yeah. So so what did that look like? Bearing one another's burdens? At well, I don't know a lot of churches that do it. Um, so. Yeah, step by step, learning to scale authenticity I had have had quite a bit of encouragement lately from just friends and uh, some of the people that we meet with and from you directly and from my wife that. Um, that doing maybe a blog, but definitely a podcast um, would be the way to go. And one one of the things I've been doing is getting together with different um, uh, men that I know, just to meet one on one, just to get to know them better, know their story a little bit. Um, and the vision for this podcast is is still being formed, but. Um, uh, initially, I think it's something that you and I plan on doing uh, together and just seeing sort of where the Lord takes it. But whether that's uh, um, different men who are willing to come on and sort of share their story, uh, whether it's the first time they've done it or if it's the hundredth time they've done it. But uh, I know what we are lacking in this world more than anything is our, our men who are willing to be tenderhearted who are willing to be safe spaces and who aren't measuring their worth, not because they're bad people, just because they don't know. Um, they don't know any better. Like, you know, like you and I didn't either. Um, they don't know that they're measuring their worth um, unsuccessfully based on metrics of success and achievement, which is a, which is just a prison. It's an, it's a, it's a trap that the enemy uses to keep us in that is a never ending cycle of 
abuse and 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 it's just robbery but um totally is can i can i tell can i say one of the biggest lies yeah one of the biggest lies and i want i want to get this in here because i thought it and 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 i fight it still sometimes um as i heard success stories and listened to people there was always healing for other people but it wasn't meant for me I was just different enough. I was just far enough outside the lines that I wasn't going to have a similar story. And I don't know how many people out there have just absolutely given up due to whatever. Um, But it's absolutely not true. Uh, But I know, I know you feel it because I felt it or freedom, or true transformation, whichever word or concept you're yearning for. Um, And you know what, Nick, I had that same, I'm so glad you said that. I think I believed, I know I believed that same thing for many, many years. I thought that happens for everybody else, not me. I'm too, I'm too, I'm too much and not enough. I'm too complicated. I'm too complex. I'm too... Um, I can't get it right. I, um, I don't do it right. I don't know how it won't work for me. I'm too flawed. I'm too screwed up. Um, and I'm not enough, whatever it needed to be at the time to keep me in, in prison to it, in bondage to the crap that I believed that kept me stuck in an existence that I wasn't created for. There's zero reason to do any work if that's right. how you feel, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You just stay stuck and you avoid. We you waste the time if you, you do. You avoid and you seek relief. Yeah. You distract, well, you stay busy, and you seek relief. And that's the pattern that I see. And it just breaks it. Yeah, we share that. It breaks my heart to see people in that pattern because I was right there and did it for many, many years. Um, and you know, the, the sad thing is, is that there's outward success in that in, in, in on paper, but the cost inside is so great in our hearts, in our bodies, in our minds, in our, in our emotions, in our families. Um, it, it, it's, it's a huge cost. So, so that's a great way to, so let's, um, cause I know, gosh, I wish we had four hours. We could talk. Oh no. Well, we're going to have more time. You and I are going to, we're yeah. going to have yeah. let's talk about this, but, <laughs> but, um, and thank you. Thank you, Lord, for that. Thank you, God, um, for, for healing and freedom and for walking it out and for purpose and for, oh, connection. Um, so what do you want that person out there to know? who's in the struggle right now, whether it's, whether it's they're playing the, still playing the performance game. They're in the, in the trap, whether they're believing the lie that, you know, about their worth and their value and, you know, whether it's working for them or it's not, what do you want them to know? What do you want people, like if you could share your heart with people, what is it you want to know so badly and experience so badly for themselves? 
There's so much freedom and vulnerability. The people it's not working for, they know it's not. And I, I, I would almost say that unless you've realized you don't get your worth from your performance, that it's not working for you, period. Um, you could be very successful. I'm not saying that's not true. Sure. Um, you can have lots of money, but, uh, it's not, that's, that's not real freedom. You can buy lots of things. You can go lots of places or have lots of influence or, um, you know, you name it, but I guarantee you, there are plenty of people with all of those opportunities and more that strive and strain and toil because they still haven't found it. It'll become more successful because they're just that wired for it. A lot of people become more successful because in finding success, they're still broken and they're looking for that thing. And I think until you realize that you can't, you can't create that thing. You can't be that thing. Um, based on your merit, that's not where your value and worth is created. Unless you acknowledge that regardless of how it looks on the outside, you're, uh, I don't know. I'm just sort of staring off as I think about this. I have to think that people who are broken and, and just unfulfilled and in bondage, no matter how it looks on the outside, they know it to some extent. Yeah. There's something, there's something there they feel in, in the quiet moments when they're alone with themselves. Sure. So what do you want them? What, what, what's the first step? And this is not a plug for, um, for working with me or for like, whether regardless of any of the, I I'm being serious. I want I am as passionate as you are about people getting help wherever it is. What do you recommend that they do? If like um, what's the first step? make a decision. If you're miserable, you know it. Make a decision and run. Run as fast as you can. Run as hard as you can. Run into as many walls as you have to. Um, because one of them, one of them will will bust down for you. Or if there's a door in one of them. There's a door. When God closes a door, he opens a window. I hate cliches, but gosh, yes, look for it. Be who the world, the world needs who you were made to be right now. And, and gosh, as I, as I, I mean, I struggle daily to be authentic, but it's what I strive for. And, um, you do it so beautifully. Unless, well, I appreciate that. It's only because I found freedom on a real level. Um, I could do it at all. Um, because this certainly isn't in the script I was writing for myself, sitting down and telling the world about my failure and where I came up short and how willing I was to hurt my family. Yeah. Me neither. I know. Um, in the process uh, but again, the irony is that this is where the freedom is. What a relief to find out that you're not responsible for your own worth and value. Okay. So now what, now what understand that now what we'll figure out, figure out where it comes from for one thing and your creator, 
would would be my answer to that. But then start knocking on doors or making phone calls. Talk to a friend. Start it somewhere, but keep the ball rolling. Just don't don't let that that ball stop rolling. And the freedom that comes with doing the work, you know, in in every other case, doing work doesn't necessarily it feels hard and 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 burdensome but when you're doing your inner healing work first of all you don't have to do it that's the good thing um that's somebody else's job to help you do it to guide you through that um you don't have to have all the answers or figure that out you don't have to perform through that um and but doing your work there's such freedom in it um and that's the beauty of it is it's work that produces such incredible freedom internally. Um, yeah, that absolutely that it's, it's so powerful. Anything that we did, I know we've got a close for today. Thank you so, so much. For, oh, my pleasure for sharing your story. Is there, is there anything you want to leave anything and it's okay. If not, just, just if there's anything else that is on your heart, that you want to share um we definitely will put we'll keep people updated for um with the podcast with the um no i think i think just in the last couple of minutes there we sort of touched on anything i would close with and to any degree that you might acknowledge or recognize or be willing to acknowledge that the spiral for you has started or you're in it or Start moving, start the motion, and don't stop until you find out how you get on this path to healing. And I know you're not looking for a plug. I don't know that you have capacity and time and that schedule of yours anyway. But, <laughs> but, oh, but the Lord the, sends the key somebody. Is not, yeah, absolutely. Gosh. If the Lord sends somebody that's a great fit that he wants me to do that work with, I am always ready. Yeah, yeah for sure. I just, I didn't want to, I didn't want to plug without <laughs> <laughs> permission, but yeah, just start, start with talking to a friend. Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's not your spouse. It's understandable too. Maybe that's where the most hurt is for you right now, or the most hurt that you've caused. Um, but talk to somebody and then just keep moving, keep treading. Amen. I love it. Well, we really appreciate you. And um, I know there's no doubt that you've touched some hearts today, big time. And that you, um, that God has just pure delight on his face right this minute for the you that he created that is right here in front of us in all of his fullness and his freedom um in the essence that you were created to be and it's a beautiful thing to watch so and thank you for entrusting me with your heart um there is nothing more i cherish than being able to um to shepherd hearts in this life so um all right you guys well i hope that um that you were I hope at this point that something has stirred so deeply in you that you 
have no more excuses and that you um that that the lord has shown has shined light so brightly on some lies or some areas that are keeping you stuck that um that you're going to pursue them with everything that you have to get the healing and the freedom that you need if that's where you are um because it is available and again you are a powerful divine warrior and your inheritance is not to struggle strive and survive in life but to thrive in the life of freedom and fullness that he created for you and so pursue that with everything that you have and walk in it and we will see you on the next episode of the warrior arise podcast if it has inspired or empowered you in some way please share it with somebody that you love and um or someone who needs to hear it and we'll see you soon thanks guys thanks for joining me today on the warrior arise podcast i hope you were inspired and empowered to live and lead bravely freely and authentically you I look forward to our next episode together, and I invite you to subscribe to be notified of new episodes as they are released. If this podcast impacted you, share it with a friend or a loved one. Also, please write a review on iTunes.